It's good to see you, Hunga family. I'm Eric. Welcome to episode 303. In case you didn't know, the Hunga podcast is now on Spotify. So be sure to subscribe if that is your platform of choice. You can also find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. I appreciate all of your listening and support. I also post content on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So follow the show at HungUpPod. That's H-U-N-G-U-P-P-O-D. Send your listener feedback to HungUpPod at gmail.com. Want to drop a message to be played on the show? Give me a call at 484-578-9992. I'd love to hear from you. By the way, that is the podcast phone number, not my personal phone number. You can find my personal Instagram at edantecole. That's E-D-A-N-T-E-C-O-L-E. My page is public, but if you a weirdo, you will get chopped. Call me a crazy-ass, psychotic, lunatic bitch from hell. I don't give a damn. So this week, I caught up with one of the dopest queer gamers alive, Wesley Thomas, also known as Wonder Wesley. Wesley is also known as a sex advocate and educator in the community. Wonder Wesley is a Philly native, but has relocated to the DMV to expand his research. I know you're stuck at home like the rest of us, so pour you a little drink. Find you a comfortable place and sit back and enjoy the show. here with close friend, sex advocate, sex education major, and gamer, <laughs> Wesley Thomas. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Welcome to episode 303 of the Hung Up Podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you asking me to be here. And I appreciate you saying yes to my ex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, I kind of gave you a little intro there, but why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Well, you know, you 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 missed one of the, the best parts, which is a Philadelphia native. What up, young boy? Born and raised, um, currently living out in the uh, DMV area, uh, working for the public school system out here. I've been doing it for about six, almost seven years uh, out here. Um, But, you know, Philly will always be home. That's what raised me. That's what made me. I know that's right. And that's where, you know, our friendship started. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Many years ago. Yes. I feel like Philly has kind of evolved into a completely, not a completely different city, but it is a very different city from you know when i moved here 13 years ago 
Yeah, I definitely miss it. Um, living out here has its trade-offs. Um, I definitely will say ain't no food like Philly food. Um, you know, I'm sorry <laughs> to the people of the District of Columbia, but Philly will always have y'all beat. Um, steak and <laughs> steak and cheeses will never be a Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> Philly does have some really good food. I, I tell out-of-towners all the time that I, I, I say you'll never go hungry in Philly. <laughs> I mean, even from the, um, you know, well, when I used to ride the L, I, I, I ride the trolley now because I relocated to a different part of the neighborhood. But when I used to ride the L, you would get off of the stops. Depending on the stop, you would get off. They're giving out food. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they have, you know, vendors set up. A lot of that was targeted for um, the homeless population and, and families in need. But, you know, they were, you know, very encouraging to everyone, you know, to like, hey, if you're hungry, just stop by and get something to eat. I don't know what that's going to be looking like post Rona. But <laughs> yeah, post post Rona, people are going to be just like throwing food out of windows, like just calling your order, be at the bottom of the steps and we just going to toss it to you. <laughs> well, it seems like that's what they're doing now with these Uber Uber orders and Grubhub orders. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. They're talking about I'm just going to leave it on your porch. That's not stopping you from transferring the Rona to my food. Like. <laughs> <laughs> you just left it on my on on the porch. That's the, you left the Rona on the porch with my with my carry out. Like what the fuck? Well, and then the salty part is if you got my food wrong, like I can't even say nothing to you. You you gone. You left my food at the door and then you hit it. You on to the next one. And I'm sitting here left with this 800 number that's not gonna work. Mm-mm. <laughs> that is funny. Oh my gosh. Okay, I love it. But again, thank you for being on the show. I'm really happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. So it's time for the icebreaker. I like to do this because it just it just allows me to have fun with my guests. (laughs) And, you know, I don't know, like this might develop into something else. But for right now, this is what it is, and we're going to have some fun with it. So it's meant to be rapid response. Um, but like I said, we can have some fun with it. Okay. All right. I'm nervous. My mouth is reckless. Which dating scene is better, Philly or DC? Ooh. Uh, Philly? Question mark? <laughs> are you serious? Uh, you, are you, you asking the wrong, wrong one. I'm a jaded, bitter bitch over here. So, <laughs> a jaded, bitter bitch. Do tell. You know, um, moving out here, uh, it's been amazing for me personally and professionally. Um, I've done things out here that I don't think I probably could have done staying in Philly. I can probably go back home and do that now, but I think if I would have stayed in Philly, I wouldn't have been able to. But socially, (laughs) socially, it's been a struggle. Romantically, it's been a struggle because I think, um, you know, one thing, you know, one thing you know about Philly folk is we ratchet, but we real. Be a real one for one minute. 
you know, we, 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 you might not like us. We might be extra at times, but uh, one thing I appreciate about my city is that, you know, folks for the most part are going to be who they are. They don't have all of these things that they can use to kind of put on the front. And the good thing about Philly folks is if you are that kind of person, we can see through you very easily. Um, living out here, a lot of folks have a lot of those uh, shields and buffers, you know, um, credentials and certain job opportunities. And I think a lot of folks out here have turned that into an identity and they use that instead of, you know, honing in that personality. So it's really hard to get to know real people. You get to know kind of representatives and I think it makes it very hard to date. You get to know the degrees and the jobs and the actual mm-hmm. you don't you don't get to know the actual person. Yeah. It begs the question, like, you know, how much of those things do people have and they use that as a means to not be their authentic selves? Because one thing I will say about Philip, like, yeah, you know, we aren't the most educated city. We're very blue collar, but um you what what you get is what you get. What you see in front of you is the person you're gonna get, whether they somebody that you can't stand. You can't stand them from the moment that you meet them to the moment that they are no longer in your life. There's going to be no changes. Mm-hmm. I know that's right. What do you miss most about Philly? Oh my God, I mentioned it earlier, the cheesesteaks. Every time I go back home, I feel like I'm smuggling drugs back to D.C. Wow. How many cheesesteaks do you have in your bag on your uh, way back? Um, well, normally I order a cheesesteak to eat on the train, and then I have a second one that I am able to enjoy at home, which normally is eaten in the same day. So, <laughs> so my last guests, Marquise and Sterling, we had I asked them, you know, how they how they order their cheesesteaks to see if it was an authentic cheesesteak. How how do you get your cheesesteak? Um, I get my first off. I get a chicken cheesesteak, so I have to be very distinct about that. I get it. I get a chicken cheesesteak, and I get it with uh, mayonnaise, ketchup, and light fried onions. I just started getting into the fried onions like over the past couple of years, but yeah, that, that's it. There's a spot over, um, you know, folks in Philly. If you're looking for a good place with cheesesteaks, I believe it's 35th or 36th in Lancaster, Mad Greeks. Every time I go to Philly, I gotta stop in there. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot about that play. Mad Greeks. You said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I try to stay away from South Philly for cheesesteaks. They've given us a bad name nationwide. Pats and Geno's is out here claiming that they are the authentic Philly oh. cheesesteak, and they are um, misrepresenting us. No. Mm-mm. Whitney or Mariah? Sheesh, hard questions. Um. I'm going to go with Whitney, and it, it's nothing against Mariah. Mariah's a great um, musician. I just I just uh, align myself more with Whitney's struggle. I can understand. She really did have a struggle. I mean, you know, it, it, not to get too deep, I just, I understand the, the family dynamics. And so, you know, I don't really know too much about, like, Mariah outside of her marriages and her career. I don't really know a lot about her family life, but I know... I know a lot about Whitney's life and I just know because, you know, Whitney, a Jersey girl. So that's right up the street from Philly. So we just that 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 northern struggle of being He's black right. in the country. And yeah. <laughs> Mariah love them babies, though. She 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 do be posting them a lot. Um, yeah, I feel you. I, you know, it actually Whitney's I feel like a tragic story. 
you know, it reminds me of the what was the game you're playing, Final Fantasy? Oh my god. It really? reminds me of that because I really feel like the world, the record labels, um, even some of the fan, like fans knowingly or unknowingly leached onto her because she had this amazing voice. She had this amazing gift. And they just wanted to be a part of that. We all wanted to be a part of that. We wanted to experience that. But I feel like she was never really happy and, and complete and whole. And um, I mean, yeah. There were times where she was crying out for help, you know, before her, you know, unfortunate passing. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think, and I was victim of this. I mean, I, I also participated in this as well. You know, when you're younger, I, I grew up in the Mad TV era. So, you know, I got to see Deborah Wilson play uh, Whitney Houston and kind of all the jokes that were coming when she was in the height of her addiction. Um, but I think that it really does highlight just in general how we really view people that are struggling with addiction. You know, it, it's a laughing matter until people have passed away. And then we're sad and we want to reminisce and we want to recall all of the positive things about them. But the time that they were here with us, they were a joke. Well, you know, they say they don't love you till you're dead. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, let's keep going. Pornhub mm-hmm. or my bitster? You know, that's a great question. Uh, mm-hmm. In the in in the recent Rona times, Pornhub has been a lot more reliable than my Vidster. Normally, my Vidster is my go-to. Yeah. But for some reason, Pornhub has been a lot more reliable with their content. I'm, I'm I see you, Pornhub. You you trying to make a comeback? I see you. Inconsistent. Yes. Okay. Those videos will always be there. Yo, and, and I think Pornhub Premium is like free right now. They know that everybody is at home stressed the fuck out. Yeah, but see, they they keep trying to ask me for my credit card information. I'm not down for that. I'm not going to remember to cancel that in 30 days. And then I'm going to be stuck with these charges. <laughs> Listen, I'm just going to put a reminder on my phone calendar. Shit, fuck 30 days. The reminder going to pop up on my phone in 25 days. Mm. See, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to milk it for every last day, no pun intended. And so I'm going to be at day like 29 and 23 hours and, and 50 minutes uh, talking about something. Oh, I got 10 minutes left. Okay, hold on. Let me that's, find one. That's why, that's, that's why you got to utilize that multi-reminder feature. Mm. And, okay, one reminder is going to be 25 days. The second reminder is going to be on the 29th day. How about that? That's why I need that download feature. <laughs> so that way it's on permanent status. Like <laughs> there will be no expiration. Mm-mm. I hear you. I hear you. Um, would you jump out of a, mu- a moving vehicle if an argument ensues? Oh, wait. What? Would I jump out of a moving vehicle? If if an argument ensues, I'm waiting to see if you get it. Oh, oh, you playing in my face? Okay, <laughs> I have. Really? <laughs> I wonder.
wonder who that happened with. It was not a fast moving vehicle, but moving it was. It wasn't. You fast. know, you know, you, sometimes <laughs> you have disagreements with your friends and they get intense, you know, and yeah, and you gotta create some space. You know how with, with Rona was six feet, I, I, I needed six blocks. <laughs> <laughs> Not now, but right now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Do you prefer water-based lube or oil-based? Or I guess they, you know, silicone-based. Oh, yeah. Okay. Woof. I'm about to say oil-based. Yikes. You're about like Vaseline? What? Uh, no. I'm, well, mm, that's another conversation. Uh, silicone. <laughs> silicone-based is my preference for the type of sex I like to have. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You need something a little longer lasting. Yeah, nobody got time to be reapplying and then it's sticky and then that sound is just not attractive. Yeah, it sounds like you got things to do and you ain't got time to be playing around. Yeah, it just oh it's just it, it's you know um when you were a kid and you used to put a bunch of glue on your hands. And you will yep. together, and then that's what it sounds like, like with the water loop, just like with blue and oof. <laughs> oof. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious! All right, um, what what's one of your favorite self care methods right now during this social distancing? Oh, uh, you know what's interesting? I've recently gotten into meditation. Um, I haven't been doing it very long. I've been doing it like 10 minute stints here and there. Uh, and it, it's, it's, it's challenging to clear your mind. For all of my Zodiac followers out there, I'm a Virgo. So I'm overthinking and overanalyzing everything all the time, all day. So to be still and to shut your mind down and to just focus on your body and your breathing um it's been it's been very helpful um and and then on top of that you know i've been keeping my mental health appointments and making sure that i'm keeping that intact because lord knows i need my therapist more than ever um and so i've just been using those um you know a little little drinky drink here and there uh as well <laughs> as needed yeah and they are needed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, Wonder Woman or Captain Marvel? You are playing. You know it's Wonder That's Woman. That's what I'm saying, right? Captain Woman all day. I'm, I'm a Wonder Woman. Yes, anyone that knows me knows that I am always and forever team Wonder Woman. She, she don't get no better than her. You go hard for her, and I, and I love it. You know, one of my favorite games is still Marvel Ultimate Alliance, um, the 2006 release. Mm -hmm. And I think they re-released it in 2008. That game, I feel like, is still golden. Mm -hmm. And I went on and I Googled that game the other day, and that shit got, still got good ratings. Like, that game was everything. They just released the third installment for the Nintendo Switch, so now they got a Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. What? See, I'm yeah. switch. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to wait until Rona's over because you can't get a game console in this country at all. Yeah, I don't need it right now. I, I can barely play my PS4, but mm -hmm. lately that's been getting more playtime. Okay. 
And last question, what has been your most memorable speaking engagement? Because you've done so many. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I have I have two. Um, one, uh, a friend of mine um, who used to work for uh, Glisten, which is a, a LGBTQ organization out of New York, uh, asked me to come and be a keynote speaker for their chapter advisors. And so Glisten has chapters okay. around the country. Um, and so they bring all of their advisors together to do like training and capacity building. And so they came and asked me to speak. And it was really my first time on a stage where it was just me talking uninterrupted for like, like 30, 40 minutes. Um, I had to put a lot of time and energy and effort into what I had to write because it was very personal. Um, and so that that was it was very rewarding. The way it was received afterwards was great. But the second, well, actually, this is my first is um, I got to do a workshop uh, at my alma mater, Widener University on uh, ephemophobia, where I talked about kind of society's larger disdain and fear of femininity and womanhood but also speaking specifically to the uh, LGBTQ, but specifically gay uh, communities about how ephemophobia kind of impacts our community specifically. Um, and so that's been still to this day, one of my all time favorite uh, opportunities that I've had to kind of speak to folks. Right, really what's up. Thank you, Wes. I really enjoyed this icebreaker. That was fun. Before we let you go, we are going to talk a little bit about effeminophobia. We'll be right back after a short break. What's up, Hung Up family? I hope you all are remaining safe and you have everything that you need. School is closed for the summer and could also be closed for the remainder of the school year. A few weeks ago, I watched a documentary on Netflix called The Trials of Gabrielle Fernandez. It was a chilling reminder that so many kids are stuck at home with abusive parents, where the school was at least a few hours of safety. They no longer have that right now. If you are aware of or even suspect that a child is being abused, please go to childhelp.org. There you'll be able to find local resources or chat with someone who can help direct you. If you're in the state of Pennsylvania, the 24-hour hotline phone number is 1-800-932-0313. I appreciate y'all for listening to the Hung Up Podcast. Now let's get back to the show. Jam, I'm just a kid Thinking about everything I ever done did Things I wanna do and things I done live Everything's slow but I really wanna live Now say Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook At Hung Up Pod And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter At E Dante Cole Alright, we are back and before Wesley leaves us, I really want to kind of dig into, you know, you talked a little bit about before we went to break of femophobia and 
that's kind of what I get from you is that that's really been a passion for you and a, and a drive for a lot of your work. So I want to talk to you about that and give you the opportunity to share with the listeners, um, you know, where this passion comes from, how you were inspired to do this work and, you know, what you're looking forward to now and in the future. Um, before we jump into that, tell me, you know, when, and this is something that I try to ask all my guests, <clears throat> when was the first time, you know, you remember seeing your true, your, your true self, a true reflection of yourself reflected back to you? I think the first time that that started to happen, I was in my graduate program at Widener University. And I know for me, I've always, even outside of, you know, the act of having it, I've always had an interest in um, just sex and sexuality. I just think that people's, the way that they navigate it, um, what they get from it, uh, how they talk about it, it's always been interesting to me. And I always thought that that was weird. So like, you know, I was always curious about, you know, asking those questions about like, okay, well, you know, do you like to do this? Do you like to do that? And not from a standpoint of like, I want to do it with you, but just genuine curiosity. Uh, and so it was great to go to a program with um, not just black folks, but black queer folks who uh, have that same interest and affinity and who weren't nearly as ashamed as I was about it. And so seeing those people be um, eager and and uh, willing to want to learn more about these things, I think that was the first time I really got to see like my community reflected back to me or who I thought, who I wanted to be reflected back to me. Okay, that's kind of cool. So like that reflection happened in tandem with your enrollment and your graduate, it, it was graduate school, right? Mm-hmm, yep. And that's also when you, you, you know, kind of e evolved into this interest of sexuality and how different individuals from different places express their sexuality. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really interesting. And it wasn't overwhelming for you? <laughs> Absolutely. It was very overwhelming. But I think um, one thing that I know about myself is that uh, I learned the most about myself during chaos. Um, and so being in a program, it wasn't chaotic, but it was just so much information and so much self-reflection happening at the same time. And then, you know, I still got to do papers and, and, you know, assignments. And a lot of it really was about, um, especially those first couple of classes, was me reflecting on my own sexuality. And so that, you know, growing up, Black, growing up um, in an urban setting, um, you know, if you're not straight, there really isn't too many opportunities to really explore that in a healthy way. And so it was almost like a another, I don't say another puberty, but it was just really the first time I actually had the time and sit and think about, you know, what are the things that drive me? What are the things that I'm anxious about when it comes to like sex and sexuality? It sounds like a really good program. <laughs> Shout out to Widener. Yeah, it has its moments. <laughs> so how did your passion for creating this discussion around femophobia inspire your signature crop top look? Uh, yeah, <laughs> so um, 
the the look that you're referring to was from that workshop that I told you about that um was actually one of the one of my most memorable times uh, facilitating something. And really the the subject matter really just called for a visual representation. And I think at the time too, um, you know, it was it was it was the more formative years of my jaded bitter bitch. Uh, identity. And so, you know, I was kind of just tired of, you know, you you engage, I'm, I'm going to speak from, you know, being a, 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 a black person that dates other men. And it gets frustrating when you engage people, you want to get to know them. And the first thing that they want to know about you is if you're masculine or not. And it's, I personally just feel like masculinity is 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 really just like beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, because what you may think is masculine can be completely different than what I think is masculine. Yeah. yeah uh, it's really subjective. Yeah. You know, even living, um, you know, being black in this country, like, you know, I think about like being, being masculine in like, you know, the Northern part of this country, you know, New York, New Jersey, Philly versus, you know, being masculine in the Southern part of this country is completely different. You know, you think about like the Southern gentleman versus, you know, the hood boy. And it's like all of those identities are masculine yet we're supposed to put all of this into this one box and give you a yes or no answer and so yeah i was just tired i was just like you know what i'm just gonna be gay and <laughs> present this workshop that is so dope i love it so my next question for you is how much is it a problem of a femophobia versus homosexuality because I feel like the more I talk to both queer identifying and non-queer identifying people, that it's really the femininity that is hated in society, Mm -hmm. Um, not just on the queer side, but like I said, on the non-queer side, um, because some straight identifying women Mm -hmm. that have talk to about this they also feel kind of like this hatred sometimes from men mm-hmm. i definitely think uh femophobia is rooted in kind of like, and i'm and and i want to start off by saying like i'm not saying anything new because a lot of this is something that a lot of folks have talked about um in in advocacy and scholarly spaces but um as a society we just don't like women um and then you add you know additional kind of identities being black, being poor, being disabled, um, you know, a number of things, you know, having certain physical, I mean, um, health disparities, like we just don't really value women in this society outside of being uh, vessels to create other humans. Um, And so I think that when you are socialized as male, you know, a lot of times what... as being a man or being masculine is supposed to be you don't do what the women do do the opposite of what the women do and that's what makes you a man um you know so you you don't show your emotions you don't um you don't necessarily uh engage in things that people would claim are you know soft i i I know so many of my friends that struggled with you know actively wanting to participate in dance versus playing basketball and not because you know, there was um, a dislike for basketball. They really just had a genuine 
draw to want to dance and, you know, having that disconnect in their families and households because of just what they were interested in for a hobby. Um, and I think that's because, again, what do we associate? Who do we associate as dancers? Women. To me, it's kind of like a show. It's yeah. like a presentation that's being put on. That's and and that's kind of the 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 message that I try to get out to folks is that all of these presentations are performative. The energy that you have within you, like we all have masculine and feminine energy in us. Period. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're all we're we're not socialized in a single sex world, so you can't just say that you know I only have this one energy because I've been raised around all men. I've never been around women. I don't know how to relate to women. I don't know how to communicate with women. We know how to do these things. We just choose not to. Um, and so, yeah, I think that um, a lot of times it, it it becomes an issue when we don't, when we tailor activities to uh, uh, to energies, you know, like, so playing with dolls is, is, is a feminine trait or, um, you know, like, uh, even when I think about in the 90s, like the whole thing with metrosexuality it had to come about because there were straight men that wanted to groom themselves. They wanted to get pedicures. They wanted to, you know, uh, get manicures. They wanted to wear pink and not necessarily have it be attached to their sexuality. Um, and that was a big thing for a lot of men back then. Mm. And I, you you mentioned dolls a few seconds ago. What, what kind of damage do you think it could potentially do to a child, you know, particularly a young boy? Um, not being allowed to be more feminine in their expression, if 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 that was natural for them, yeah. Whether that be playing with dolls, whether that be playing with the girls versus the boys at recess, whether that be signing up for the cooking class versus signing up for the basketball team, um, what what kind of damage do you think it could potentially do to a young child? Who's not allowed to 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 do that? Um, how much time you got? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'll answer it. Much uh, evidence of it today, right? I mean, I'll, I'll I'll try to answer as succinctly as possible. But I think the kind of like high level stuff is you're you're depriving young boys and men of like valuable life skills when you was when you say that uh, domestication and um homemaking is a feminine trait right like so many grown ass men that can't cook so many men that i see online talk about some i need me a woman that's gonna cook for me because i'm tired of eating out or you could learn how to cook motherfucker like you don't have to be waiting for someone else to meet your needs right and and i think that's kind of like the high level stuff just like you said like um i i personally wish i knew how to sew there will be so many uh, bills that I would not have to pay off these ripped pants if I just knew how to work a needle and thread, you know, but these are things that I was raised and told that, you know, no women do that. That's, you don't want to do that. And, you know, you, no. Um, and then I think the, the kind of more diabolical part is that, you know, we, we raise young boys to hate all the things that is deemed feminine. And so if you are heterosexual, you're getting into relationships with women and you had you see no value in their existence because it's like everything that I've been told is bad and wrong. You have those qualities. So why should I treat you with respect? Why should I um, honor or respect you? Because you are someone that's below me, beneath me, whatever. 
and then you know kind of translating that into um gay communities it really becomes this thing where masculinity is kind of commodified we we want the hyper masculine person but then we run through the streets you know calling them all fuck boys and it just becomes confusing because you you want the masculine person that's going to treat you with respect but from what i know about masculinity a lot of it is rooted in kind of domination and in kind of like callousness and so how can you really connect with people if that's what you're trying to put forth you know right that going back to that presentation mm -hmm. which, you know and i'm wondering like are terms like no homo a form of femophobia in the in, in sense of I'm putting on this presentation, you know, society has these standards for me as a man. So brother, I'm I'm about to make this comment to you, but I don't want to come I'm 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 making I'm acknowledging the fact that this is a man making a comment to another man and society society standards wouldn't like this isn't a societal norm. So I'm going to say no homo before I make this comment to you, just so you know that I'm, I'm still a man mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I'm not gay. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe not so much no homo as being um, kind of like a, uh, a femophobic, but I think about things where, you know, you tell people like stop being such a bitch. Or when I was uh, when I was growing up in Philly, the big thing was like, stop girling. You know, that was the last thing you wanted to be called was a girl or a bitch. Um, and a lot of it was because it was it was associated with uh, women. And so, you know, hearing those terms, it was like, you know, it's the moment you started crying, the moment that you might have complained about something, the moment that you might have expressed um, dislike for something. You know what? Like, stop being a little bitch, man. Like, come on, man up. Um, and I'm sure, you know, that that language has changed and transform for the you know younger generations now but when i was growing up that was the language that it was just like okay the last thing you want to do is be caught crying because that's what the girls do and you know the girls are pretty, but you never want to be one of them it's amazing how society treats women when when women give so much to society um and thank god for women because i'm sure the earth would have just fell into a black hole a long time ago um, if, if there wasn't, you know, for that balance, that, that, that balance of energy that is needed, in my opinion, um, you know, but this, uh, you know, all of these societal standards about who women should be or who men should be, none of that shit is real. No, it's, it's not real. Stuff that people have made up. Yeah, I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. And that's what I tell people all the time. It's just like, you know, um, a lot of these things, someone a long time ago, probably with a lot of power, decided this is what this is going to be. This is what this is going to be. This is good. This is bad. Um, and that's one thing, like even going back to, the, you know, me deciding to wear the crop top, it was really just about me deciding, like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to be myself and I'm going to let the world decide how they want to feel about it. But I know who I am and I know <laughs> what I bring to the world. And so, you know, whatever energy that is, masculine, feminine, whatever, you either like me or you don't, regardless of what my answer to that question would have been. Um, you know, and, and it's interesting because I find that the more comfortable that I am with like 
I like to call it like the duality in my energy, the, the masculine and feminine energy. I find that the more that I find balance with it, the more that I find people uh, uh, drawn to me in a number of different ways. And I think that it's interesting that, you know, if I was trying to front and pretend uh, to pre- present in a way that I'm not, nobody would want to mess with me. Right. Exactly. So my last question for you was, how does this all impact our intimate relationships as same gender loving people? This conversation has been, you know, we've talked a lot about how men have been programmed mm-hmm. in many sense of the word to disconnect from their feelings and their emotions, mm-hmm. but then are pushed and expected to do just that in relationships. You know what I mean? I, you know, I've been guilty of it. You know, I've, we, I feel like we've all been in relationships <clears throat> or some type of relationship. Many of us have been in some type of form of relationship. And that is something that we expect. And when, when it doesn't happen, some of us are crushed. Some of us are angry. Some of us are bitter. Some of us don't care. Like, whatever. Like, I just feel that it's so interesting how society has really put in place the system for men not to be emotionally available mm-hmm. to so put on a presentation and to be financial providers mm-hmm. in terms of intimate um relationships i think what happens is that and and one thing i will say is is uh you know the, the generations that are coming up, and I would even say some of my peers have started to do a, a, a better job of kind of breaking down this wall of like, you know, you, you, you don't want to be with a femme person. You don't want to be with a femme dude or, or even if, you know, um, you are a masculine presenting person and that's just your natural state of being like, you know, you don't want to be with no uh, flame as they used to call it in Philadelphia. I've not heard that in forever. You said, well, a flame, yes. <laughs> right. Um, and and so what happens is that, you know, we're depriving ourselves of really meaningful and authentic experiences if we're caught up specifically on um, someone's presentation and their energy. And you can be attracted to what you're attracted to, right? But I think that when you start shifting m- less away from um, I mean, you start shifting more away from how someone um, may move their bodies or how they might talk or how their hands might move. And you focus more on who somebody is, even if it doesn't end up being a romantic relationship, there can still be a meaningful connection that happens. And I think when you're so caught up on presentation, you deprive yourself of really just connecting with people that could be amazing in your life. I'm not saying that, you know, if you have a preference for masculine energy that, you know, you should forego that. But what I'm saying is that you shouldn't allow that to determine how you connect with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think about, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, my 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 gay folks out there that do identify as femme. Um, you know, it really is kind of that what we were just talking about in terms of how women get treated, which is just like, you know, you don't want to really be associated with that identity, like, you know, uh, and there's just a, like a desexualization of those identities where it's like, you know, you don't even see those folks as sexual beings. 
Um, and then I think it's funny because, you know, you got got a lot of these uh, DL trade and even some of the Bush Queens that, you know, when 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 times are hard and they not getting what they want, the first person that they want to call up is, you know, one of the uh, one of the 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 femme identified gays, because in their minds, that's low hanging fruit. And that's not respecting the humanity of a person in general, um, you know, and, and and if you go on one a piece, then one a piece in public. Don't want it in private. Right. Put some respect on that piece. Right. Nigga, when my name come up, respect it. Wesley Thomas, thank you for being on the show. That was great. I really appreciate you you talking about that. I know that is a passion of yours and you get paid to talk about stuff like this. So <laughs> thank you for being on the show and, you know, to, to let the people know. Is it, Well, first of all, is there anything else you want to want to say? Um, no, I just I hope the people are uh, taking care of themselves. I really hope that folks are using this time during Corona to just like recenter themselves and reconnect with the things that make them happy and whole. Um, and, you know, I, I know it's rough and I'm sure you're getting a lot of messages on positivity, but, you know, just feel your feelings, work through your stuff um, and and, I, and and reach out to folks as you need it. And it's, thank you. And it's really dope to have conversations like this because it just adds another conversation to the table of mm-hmm. so many, you know, because like you said, people have been talking about these things forever, you know? <laughs> That's why I think it's strange when, you know, white folks ask black folks, well, what do we need to do to make it better? I think it's strange when non-queer people ask queer people, what do we have to do? It's just like, we've been saying it. <laughs> we've been having these conversations. Yeah, uh, and I appreciate you sharing this platform to continue this conversation because, you know, I mean, it ain't like things are changing, so we still need to have it. <laughs> they still asking, well, what we got to do? Right. They still asking me if you mask or feminine. I'm just like, okay, wow. That's another, that's another thing that earned. And the straights and the gays asking that. Mm-hmm. The thing that gets me is that the straights are still asking, well, who's the man and who's the woman? Yeah, the the the, the straights have um got a long way to go. <laughs> and like you said, we gotta keep having these conversations. Yeah, but we <laughs> but we need them too because there's only certain ways that straight folks hear messages from other straight folks about this that. You know, I could tell I'm blue in the face, but because you don't see me as a straight person, you ain't going to hear nothing that I have to say. So we need the straight folks to get it together so that you could talk to your friends, the the hoteps out there that believe that 5D is causing Rona. <sighs> All right. Well, we are going to wrap this conversation up. Wesley Thomas, everyone, we are hung up. Thank you for stopping by the show and just know that. You can come anytime. <laughs> and hopefully when this Rona is over, we can have another check-in um, in person. Maybe I can take a ride to D.C. Okay. Come see you, friend. With you. We can go go out, have, have some fun. Absolutely. Let the people know where they can find you. Where's your social medias, your websites, all that good stuff? Um, right now, uh, the only thing I feel comfortable sharing is my Instagram. Um, and that is uh, Wonder 
underscore Wesley. Um, you'll know it's me because I'll be the black man with the tiara on in the profile picture. You'll know it's him because, well, wait, is your is your profile private? Yes, you're gonna have to request me. Okay, okay, because I was about to, I was about to give it all away. I was about to be like, you'll know it's him because he gonna have on them oh, briefs. Nope. nope. <laughs> and, and some boots. Yeah, yeah. Well, when when you, <laughs> when you once the accept is 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 hit, then you'll get to see all of the um the antics. Okay, if the acceptance is hit. You're right. You're right. <laughs> you are so dope thank you wesley thank you for having me and uh thank you all for 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 listening hey y'all thanks for tuning in to episode 303 with wesley thomas he is a really good friend of mine who has been there with me through a lot of good times and not so good times <laughs> The Hung Up Podcast theme song was created by hip-hop activist, teacher, and producer, Pharaoh. You can find him on Instagram at P-H-A-R-H-O. You can find this podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at HungUpPod. That's H-U-N-G-U-P-P-O-D. Send your listener feedback to HungUpPod at gmail.com. Or drop a message at 484-578-9992 and I just may play it on the show. Be on the lookout for another episode soon. I recently sat down with Philly recording artist and American Idol Season 2 contestant, Jamez. Until next time, peace y'all.